0: Next time you're on YouTube, check out our Point of the Spear YouTube channel. We've got bonus video material from podcasts plus tons of military history videos, including full-length documentaries. It's a great way to spend some time, and don't forget to subscribe while you're there. And click the bell icon so you'll be notified of all the great weekly videos we're uploading.
1: A lot of these missiles are in the hands of bad actors, and they've been, there have been 40 incidents since 1970-some-odd uh, in which they've been they used them to either attempt to or actually shoot down commercial aircraft or corporate aircraft. That's the genesis of the book and what's behind the plot.
0: An excerpt from today's guest, speaking about a deadly surface-to-air missile threat that's the basis of his latest military thriller. Retired naval aviator and author Mark Liebman is here, and I'll speak with him about failure to fire right after this break. I'm Robert Child, and this is Porn in the Spirit. March 25th is National Medal of Honor Day, and my new book, Immortal Valor, about the Black Medal of Honor recipients of World War II, is out now. The book chronicles these immortal heroes' life journeys through all the pain and struggle up until their ultimate triumph. I hope you check out Immortal Valor, which is on sale now as we celebrate all Medal of Honor recipients on March 25th. Welcome back. Today's guest is a retired U.S. Navy captain and naval aviator who is a combat veteran of Vietnam, the tanker wars of the 1980s, and Desert Shield, Desert Storm. He retired as a captain after 26 years in the Navy and turned his attention to writing. His latest book is called Failure to Fire, book two in the Derek Almer series, And author Mark Liebman joins us now. Mark, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm delighted to be here.
0: Well, we're honored, sir. And uh, before we get into the book, I know you had a a long military career, and I wanted to ask you about your uh, your aviation experience in Vietnam and in the Gulf.
1: Well, um, I flew search and rescue, did a little special operations in Vietnam. And then during Desert Storm, I had a pretty interesting job Um, I was the, um, it was official title of Zulu Lima. I was a helo boss, uh, for all the helicopters in, um, the Persian Gulf, which was from 14 different countries and 140 different, uh, helicopters. And I hate to say it. There are 14 nations in the coalition. And I think I probably had at least 16 different sets of rules of engagement. Oh, wow. Oh, it was, it was an intellectual exercise, but it was a whole lot of fun.
0: Oh, was good as long as it was fun. When did you retire?
1: I retired in September 1993.
0: 93, I see. What was it that uh, made you turn or, or become an author? Had you always written?
1: The answer to that question is yes. My mother thought I had a vivid imagination and may she rest in peace and um, encouraged me to write. Um, I started writing in college as a stringer for a um, A ski racing magazine called ski racing because i was going to the races as a racer Mm. and um, then i did some stringing um, after i got out of the training command for um, an auto racing publication i don't even know it's still around called auto week and i've always wanted to write Um, and in the navy i did a lot of pieces for navy publications because it was easy to get them approved and then when i retired um, I wanted to pursue being an author and as a consultant you're always writing white papers and presentations and proposals blah, blah 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 so I made my first attempt at writing a novel in 1988 it was a dismal failure I'll tell you the rest of the story in a second I made my second attempt in the early 90s thinking I could be the second coming of John Clancy it too was a horrible effort and then I just kind of cleared away for a few years and then in 2008 I started again. And I finished a book that we now know as Big Mother 40. The, the book actually, when I finally got a publisher to accept it, it was really two books. It turned out to be Cherbs, too, and, and, and Big Mother 40 because it was just too long. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the fun part. So my publisher says to me, he says, Mark, uh, this is make a great beginning of a book of a career a series on a career of a naval officer. He said, why don't you come up with some other titles and names? So those two books that were dismal failures back in 88 and early 90s uh, are now the Kuro- uh, Simasher Island Incident and Moscow Airlift, Oh the last two books in the Josh Heyman series. So I resurrected them. It took a lot of rewriting and stuff like that. But yes.
0: Sure. Well, you're always rewriting, that's for sure. Yeah. Yep. Never stops. Now, this uh, current book that's come out, Failure to Fire deals with a a current incredible threat to commercial aviation. Yes. Can you tell our listeners what was found in the fields of a North Texas farmer in late 2016?
1: Yeah, this is fictitious, but the book starts off with them finding uh, four four MANPADS, which is a shoulder-mounted surface-to-air missile known as a MAN Portable Air Defense System. And these things are readily available. Uh, there are hundreds of thousands of them out there. They're made by the Chinese. They're made by the Russians. They're made by the Brits, the French, and the U.S. primarily. The difference between the U.S., or I would call the Allied Systems, and the others are the fact, uh, performance aside, is that they all have a, a life limit, so to speak. And the life limit is that at the end of a period of time, the, the software and the computer and it goes stupid. You can't mm. revise it. The Soviets are not that, and the Chinese are not that circumspect. At least to my knowledge. Now, it doesn't mean that they don't. Uh, it just means that they're not they're not circumspect. So anyway, uh, a lot of these missiles uh, are in the hands of bad actors, and they've been there have been forty incidents since 1970 some odd uh, in which they've been they used them to either attempt to or actually shoot down commercial aircraft or corporate aircraft. That's the genesis of the book and what's behind the plot.
0: Now, I mentioned current credible threat. A large shipper just made an announcement uh, <laughs> with a counter-defense yes. system. Can you, can you talk about that? Sure. So
1: Federal Express just announced that it's applying to the FAA to put what is known as DIRCM, or Direct Infrared Countermeasure Systems, on some of their smaller freighters. And this is an outgrowth of a program that started actually in 2004 when the federal government approached FedEx and DHL and actually an airline to put these systems on their aircraft. Now, ultimately for reasons known only to broccoli and God uh, the FAA and the U S government did not decide to do it uh, even though the threat is has actually gotten worse since then. But FedEx has a lot of smaller aircraft. I'm saying smaller, smaller airliners that they use as freighters that go into some places that are uh, not real nice. And already we've had one DHL and one FedEx freight, uh, aircraft been shot at by uh, MANPADS. The DHL freighter managed to crash land and it, in Baghdad, and everybody walked away. The airplane was a mess. So they're out there. I think this is what's behind the system. The, the study, and, and this is uh, when it was done, showed that uh, the systems weigh less than 500 pounds, which is essentially two passengers in their baggage. They're self-contained. They don't really need any a whole lot of maintenance. They're reliable because the, the U.S. military has them on pretty much everything, mm-hmm. and they work. The cost of installing them and maintaining them is about, depending on the size of the airplane, the number of passengers, and how much how far the airplane flies, is somewhere between thirty and fifty cents per passenger per flight. Now, oh, wow. as I asked, I, I can't I, I can't go there. Because it's a breach of confidentiality, but anyway, sure. Um, yeah. the, the The question really is: is from a risk perspective, does an airline want to take that risk? Because if one gets shot down, and they're, they were known to talk down, uh, turned down the system, even contemplated it, the financial penalties are going to be enormous. Yeah. To say re- nothing of the value of the
0: stock. Absolutely, repercussions will be tremendous. Yes. For that. Getting back to your book. Uh, failure to fire. Your main character, uh, Derek Almer. tell us about him and uh, did you model him after someone you know? Does he have any character flaws that you bring out?
1: Well, I'll answer the character flaws first. And Derek is, in some ways, like me, somewhat impetuous. You charge off and do things and you sometimes don't think about the consequences to others around you. Uh, Not necessarily bad consequences, but uh, you go off and do things, and other people either get hurt or worried or concerned, but you're doing what you think is right, and generally it is right, and you're more interested in the results. As far as the, uh, is he modeled after anybody? No, not really. The name uh, is kind of interesting. My mother's maiden name was Almer, um, so that's how mm-hmm. he got his last name. And his, from a from a perspective of who he is, he's a Navy helicopter pilot, and he, he's in the special ops community. I mean, there's nothing really special about his background, other than the fact he's a ski racer back in college. He's pretty good at what he does, and he's run across uh, the bureaucracy, and what we refer to in the Navy as the shoe clerks. Who, and then he decides to, uh, at the end of his obligated commitment, get out, going back into the, going to the reserves and become a contract pilot for the uh, Central Intelligence Agency.
0: I hope you're enjoying this episode. Next time, be here for best-selling authors Andrews and Wilson when I speak with them about their latest W.E.B. Griffin thriller, Rogue Asset.
2: Griffin, if you've read any of his stuff, he's very particular type of prose and his voice is very unique. And, uh, you know, it's not like it's not like Anders and Wilson. And we, we sort of said that, Tom, like, you know, you know, we don't write like him. He's like, oh, I know. I know. He's like, and here's my advice to you guys. I want you to just tell the best story that you can uh, and write it your way. Pay homage to the characters and the ethos and the canon of the Presidential Agent series. But do not, whatever you do, do not try to write like him because you will
0: fail. That's next time. March 25th is National Medal of Honor Day and my new book, Immortal Valor, about the black Medal of Honor recipients of World War II is out now. The book chronicles these immortal heroes' life journeys through all the pain and struggle up until their ultimate triumph. I hope you check out Immortal Valor which is on sale now as we celebrate all Medal of Honor recipients on March 25th. Now back to the conversation. Now, this is the second book in the series. Yes. Do you have the number of books planned you want to do in this series? Do you have an idea of of the layout?
1: Yeah, so the first book is called Fight of the Pawnee, and in it Al-Qaeda sends somebody to the United States with the goal of killing at least 10,000 Americans in one attack. The book takes place primarily in North Texas, although the backstory and the bad guys are obviously not in North Texas uh, in the beginning. And he, the, the bad guy figures out how to do this, and I will guarantee you it will keep you up, awake at night. The genesis of the series is that I've decided to pick four threats to the U.S. economy, so to speak, or the United States that people don't talk about, you don't read much about, and write novels about them. So Flight of the Bonnie is about one. We've talked about Failure to Fire, which is about the Man-Pads threat. Uh, the next one, I literally am about to start writing on early next week because I got some administ- what I call administrivia to do. And it's going to deal with a, uh, a threat. Uh, right now, the way it's envisioned, it's uh, a cyber threat. And then the last one will be a fourth threat. And I'm not sure whether it's going to be bacteriological warfare, chemical warfare, or... or um, Use bacteria or something else. I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do with it yet, but I have the titles sort of done, and um, I've got the plot outlines more or less done.
0: What's your research process into these books? I know you're former military, but uh, do you do a deep dive? Uh, I know there are some things that you probably know that you can include in the book, some things that are classified from your military background.
1: So one of the interesting things is now that I'm retired, uh, not all my clearances have expired or the restrictions. So I send all the books off to Uncle Sam to get, get blessed. Uh, and I can go in That's a whole nother discussion as to why. But one of the things being a consultant taught me and also being a strike planner taught me was how to develop fact bases. In other words, to do research, come up with um, the data that you need or the information you need to support uh, a course of action. So writing a novel is pretty much the same thing. I spend on the first draft, depending on the, the topic, like the, the fifth and sixth and seventh books of the Josh Heyman series, I probably spent less uh, time researching than I did in the first ones, but it's typically about 40 to 50%. Hmm. Uh, so if I spend six months writing the first draft, I would probably spend of that writing time an equivalent of about three months uh, working. And, I, and the reason I know this is because I used to, as a consultant, I used to keep timesheets. So I started doing it just out of curiosity because I found myself spending a lot of time going to rat holes. And that's one of the problems. But what I pride myself in is that the books are historically accurate in terms of the context that drive the plot. And they're also operationally accurate. In fact, the aircraft, helicopters, weapons, whatever I'm using, are in fact used in the way they're intended to use. And they have their normal capabilities, sometimes which don't work. Mm -hmm. So Um. the process is basically, I start with, the idea, and I start writing. And I say, well, what kind of weapon do I want to use? Come up with the idea. Okay, I'm going to use a man pad. Okay, well, what kind of man pads are out there? So I spent hours researching the internet. Uh, now, some of them I knew uh, from my days in the military, but there are newer versions. And then you start re- re- you know, going down through there. By the way, Wikipedia is a wonderful place to start. It's not always the, the end all, because at the bottom of every Wikipedia page is all kinds of sources.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And you just keep going. And like I said, sometimes you wind up spending uh, days. That The example I use all the time is that uh, in Render Harmless, which is the third book in the Josh Heyman series, there's a scene in, towards the end of the book, it takes place in a restaurant at the top of a hotel run by Stasi in East Berlin. Now, I grew up in Germany. My father was in the Air Force. He took us to East Berlin to show us what the bad guys were. And I remember going to that hotel and eating in that restaurant. It took me a morning, a Sunday morning to find pictures of that restaurant because the hotel has been since demolished and it all it winds up with about 25 30 words of description
0: well that brings people who were who were there close to the action yeah Yeah,
1: and it also brings to life the scenes because again one of the things that i try to do is put the reader uh as i tell people i put the reader standing next to the main character so he sees or she sees what the main what the character in the scene is seeing and feeling and smelling
0: and then doing do you have, obviously, you have former contacts in the military. Do you ever uh, consult any former military? or? Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, and the reason for it is I do not want a clearance because the clearance, anytime they open that door, that means anything that's associated with that, that you write anything, suddenly becomes subject to a whole new set of rules. And as I alluded to earlier, is back when I was in active duty, I had a pretty high level clearance. And I signed all these forms, most of whom are classified. So I, you know, and time, you know, I've had more than one adult beverage and I've slept since then. So <laughs> I don't remember the names of these things. But if I use one inadvertently in a book and it gets published, I'm suddenly held accountable. So that's the reason I send this off to the to Uncle Sam said, hey, guys, you know, is there anything in here that shouldn't be?
0: Can any author do that? Send that off to a certain office in the government to have it cleared?
1: Yes. Uh, However, the rules are different from people who are in active duty or in the reserves and currently drilling as a reservist and retirees. I don't know what it is for the non-military people. Process doesn't take long. It takes about 45 to 60 days, 65 days. It doesn't cost you anything. There's a form you fill out, at least in the Navy, there's an instruction you have to follow. There's a form you fill out and there's a letter that you have to send that goes with the manuscript and then you get it back. And sometimes you get a phone call and emails and, hey, we've got concerned about ABC and you have a conversation. And then sometimes it's really simple to change. Uh other times it requires rewriting whole sections of the book. And mm-hmm. um uh with one of my books I had to do it three times.
0: Wow. Well Yeah. Is it concerning tactics or equipment or
1: well one was um one was because in, in the Semitere Island incident, I have a pretty detailed description of the the Seven Fleet spaces. On board the USS Blue Ridge, which is the flagship. So they said, could you dumb that down a bit? Well, I could. But when I'm talking about a guy talking in a passageway and turning left and turning right and going into a room, you know, this this or a compartment, it it makes it, it was a little more complicated than just, you know, editing. The other thing that they wanted was I used the name, a couple names that I thought were open source. As it turns out, no. So we had to change those. That's, that was just basically find and replace. And then the third one was I put a camera, a type of camera on a, a Navy airplane, which it was installed on. And I talked about it's the resolution of the images and I used Wikipedia as my source because it had a detailed description of these cameras, which by the way are available to the public mm. uh, to buy and the film, which is very expensive. And now it's only made by one company in the world and because they're still used but uh, and i talked about the resolution and they were uncomfortable with me referring to the resolution these these cameras because i even dumbed that down knowing what the real resolution was and they said can you dumb it down even farther and we prefer if you don't talk about it. and i said look here's my source okay and i gave them the wikipedia link and i said this is what's in wikipedia and i said i'm on the the safe side of that
0: yeah Yeah. (laughs) Do you use a lot of citations? I know in nonfiction, obviously.
1: No, in in novels, that's an it's not a good thing to do. So what you do is you let's say this is describing a system, but then you describe it. But if a character refers to it, let's say they talk about Nears, which is the image quality system used by uh, the National Reconnaissance Office. So you just say this is a near seven image, and you explain what that means. You don't say what a near seven image is in terms of resolution. You just say it's you know one to nine and Something like that. So you give the reader enough flavor so that they understand uh, what what the what the acronym means.
0: Now, this book, Failure to Fire, was this your eighth, ninth book? How many? Books Eleventh. Eleventh.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Josh Heyman series has seven in it. The i I've, I've started writing an Age of Sales series. The first two are out, and the third one will be out in August ish. Uh, I'm saying summer. Um, mm-hmm. We're shooting for July, but August is probably when it'll come out. And it'll be a seven book series. Uh, and then this one, The uh, F- Failure to Fire and Fight of the Pony, are in a Derek, the, what I call the Derek Almer counterterrorism series. And there'll be four in that. And after that, I've got about five or six more to write. Um, uh, and then I'm probably going to hang it up. The goal is to get to 20. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't know if I'll make it. <laughs>
0: I've never heard any uh, author have a goal of an end number of books uh, because it's always open-ended but uh...
1: well yeah it, the reason it's 20 is because that's the ones i have outlined or I actually written the, the the first draft of the manuscript so that's that's what they're uh, i mean the counterterrorism series could go to five for all i know i mean when mm-hmm. i get to the fifth one uh, the fourth one i may add another one um the josh hayman series despite a lot of readers wanting me to write another one it, it's done i'm finished with it the age of sales series Uh, started out as four. It's now seven. It may go to eight. It may go back to six. I think I'm under contract for seven. So that's probably what it'll be. But I have, but the publisher and I have talked about uh, when I get to six, which is where, because I've written the first five, at least from a draft perspective, when I get to the sixth one, um, I'm running into some interesting things because the characters take over. When you're writing a book, you become the character in that scene. And they're doing things that I hadn't planned in my outlines. And um, so I'm going down a direction that I literally did not envision when I started writing the series. So it may be six. It's planned for seven, but it may end at six. And then I've got a couple other novels that I want to do, and also one nonfiction book.
0: That's great. I I love it when uh, a character does something that you don't expect or you're (laughs) writing it. I didn't know he would do that. (laughs) Yeah, well, because... You're
1: literally the actor or the, that man or woman when you're writing and you go, holy feces, Batman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then you, and, and you read it and it's logical when you're writing it. And then when you go back and re- reread it and when you're polishing and editing, you go, holy crap, yeah. how'd that happen?
0: Yeah, exactly. Something somebody came in and re- rewrote this for me.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep.
0: Well, this current book is called Failure to Fire. It's the second book in the Derek Almar series. Mark, thank you so much for coming on today.
1: It's been my pleasure and my honor, and hopefully we can do it again.
0: Absolutely. That's it for this episode. Thanks again for joining me. Next time, be here for best-selling authors Andrews and Wilson when I speak with them about their latest W.E.B. Griffin thriller, Rogue Asset.
2: Griffin, if you've read any of his stuff, he's a very particular type of prose, and his voice is very unique. And, uh, you know, it's not like it's not like Anders and Wilson. And we, we sort of said that to Tom, like, you, know, you know we don't write like him. He's like, oh, I know, I know. He's like, and here's my advice to you guys. I want you to just tell the best story that you can uh, and write it your way. Pay homage to the characters and the ethos and the canon of the Presidential Agent series, but do not, whatever you do, do not try to write like him because you will fail.
0: That's next time. And if you like what you hear, leave a review or a rating or just click the follow button. And be sure to check out our new Point of the Spear YouTube channel with bonus video material plus full military history documentaries. There's tons to explore, and I hope you check it out. I'm Robert Child, and this is Point of the Spear. Music licensed from Audioblocks.com. Point of the Spear is produced by RSC Media
1: Group.